morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever we are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Daniel. That's correct. Again. So I'm back. In there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good to have you back again this morning, Daniel. One more show. One more show. One more show. It's going to be amazing. Let's, uh, let's talk about what you're thankful for this morning. I am thankful for tri- free trials, discounts, and deals. So, okay, so when you started with free trials, I'm thinking, yes, God has been giving Daniel trials, <laughs> and they have been perfecting his character, and he's thankful for them this morning. Amen. That's not where I was going with it, but I like the segue, and that is true. Uh, recently, one of my wife's friends got us onto an offer through a company called Dinnerly. Yep. And so we paid $12 postage. And we got six days worth of dinners for free. Oh, nice. So it's come through. We don't have to worry about going out, shopping and buying ingredients, putting anything together. And the meals so far have been quite tasty. I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing thing, but I'm, I'm impressed so far. So I'm looking forward to tonight. There you go. Sometimes uh, sometimes good things just kind of randomly come your way, don't they? Yeah, it's quite like awesome. I get to be a, uh, a taste tester. Yes. I was, it's some of the... You know, I'm, can be a bit fickle with my food growing up. My mum made things in a particular way, and that, you know, that's how you eat it for 20 years. And then all of a sudden you get married and somebody makes something a different way, and you're like, mm, this is not really what I'm used to. <laughs> so you can never say that. No. So you've never said that. No, I'm not overly blunt if I'm critical, but yes. I like to be honest, and I will you know, say I, I, I enjoyed this, but I would have preferred a... <laughs> Constructive criticism. Some people have thick skin; they can take yeah, it. Right. Well, it's, it's all right. You can actually you can actually criticize the cries the food uh, constructively in a nice way, so long as you ever ne- never ever use um, you never mention your mother in that. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll be okay. And if you finish it all, clean your plate. You should. Yes. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Positively different news. Let's, yes. let's hear about it. I have some fantastic stories here. Okay, so the first one is about a young girl living in the United States, 13. She got to her bar mitzvah, and normally the whole process is celebration of life and so on, but there's a part of it that's actually giving back to the community or giving back to people in an essence of servitude. And what happened was she was walking through the city one day and realised a lot of homeless people don't actually have shoes. And she thought, what, what is going on here? Who doesn't own a decent pair of shoes? And it really put things into perspective for her because there are people out there that are really struggling. So she put together a charity called Shoes for Souls, the pun nice. being the yes. soles of the feet. Pun intended. And 30,000 plus pairs of shoes have been donated to give to the homeless that are struggling with inadequate footwear. That's nice. And she doesn't take ratty old beat up trainers. They've got to be at least in decent conditions. She said, it's amazing the joy that a new pair of shoes or something simple like that can bring somebody who's really struggling. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful circumstance of servitude right there. I think that's amazing. And, you know, you sort of stop and think about it. You know, you you pass on a a ratty old pair of um, sneakers or something like that. They're not going to last long. If you if you're done with them, they're not going to last long. Yeah, exactly. But you know, how many times have I seen you know perfectly good pairs of shoes just sort of been thrown out? Nobody's using them yeah. anymore. Maybe they're a bit out of fashion. Whatever it might be, there's a whole bunch of different reasons you see good shoes thrown out from time to time. Pass them on. Somebody else is going to appreciate them and be blessed by them. Amen. All right, that's the first story. Two more, and then I'm going to share something personal. 
the second one is about a koala that is named Triumph. Now, Triumph was found next to its mother who wasn't going to make it. Triumph was taken into care but had a birth defect where there was a stump and it caused problems with walking and moving and, and generally being a koala. And so the people that saved it sought out a prosthetist. Yes, no, but you put your tongue around that one. <laughs> we discussed that earlier, <laughs> the correct pronunciation. And nobody was able to do anything. They went through an American company, and the American company wasn't actually able to create anything that helped. So she sought out her local dentist and was having a chat with him, and he said, look, I do a lot of casting and prosthetic works. Give me a shot. He actually made an attachment for the little koala, and it says tiny little booty that connects onto its stump, has a little rubber foot. And the koala has basically completely changed in its demeanour and attitude and is now acting like a regular koala. I love it when, you know, you send something like this to the experts and like, yeah, nah, I can't do that. That's impossible. And old mate down the road is like, yeah, I'll have a crack at that. Why not? Done. A, Problem a, solved. A dentist. <laughs> cool. And, and the company they contacted worked specifically in things like animal prosthetics. They couldn't do it, yet this guy was able to, but he says that he's going to stick to working with humans more than getting into an animal style. <laughs> that's it. That's his actual area of expertise. That's, what else you got there, Daniel? Uh, this, this is the one that I said you would really enjoy. The NYPD is testing a robot dog for crime scene navigation. Okay. So it's a... Right, yes. Remote controlled... It's a dog. Dog. Can walk upstairs. Mm-hmm. Can collect different parts of it. So it's basically 70 pounds... Climb stairs, identify scents, open doors, carry objects, and measure things. So what's the advantage of this particular dog over a canine or a person? Is this for going into areas where it might be dangerous? That is one. There's also the less risk of cross-contamination. Right. Because if you back, in, back human, in the day before... A human will always cross-contaminate. A canine is definitely going to cross-contaminate. One story I heard from back in the day was a bunch of detectives turned up to a scene. Uh, I think it was a murder scene, and they actually had a few smokes and put the smokes in the ashtray. And when forensics have turned up, they've gone, fresh smokes, fresh ash, there's something going on here. Maybe this can lead to a clue. So they've taken it, they've gone and processed the cigarettes that are at the scene, and it came back to the detectives that were standing around <laughs> at the time. Oops. <laughs> I talk about contamination. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it rules them out because... Yeah, well, it does. Scene. It rules them out because they're supposed to be there, but at the same time, it's like would have been really useful to um, <laughs> have some, you know, some other cigarette butts in there that, you know, and, and save a lot of time and work and why are we, you know, wasting our time tracing down these leads. Exactly. Okay, so robotic dog's not going to... It's not going to... Uh, it's not going to leave, you know, um, DNA nope. of its own or anything like that. Yep. Crime scene's going to stay great. clean. And can it sniff out drugs? Can it sniff out bombs? Can it, it sniff out all the normal I, stuff? I don't know the length of what it can do, but they've actually used it in a hostage situation to get supplies into people trapped inside. Nice. Which is, that's just, yeah, that's, that's crazy. That, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, they used that remote control car one time to, uh, yeah, to take down one, a, a criminal. Who was who had been you know um, shooting people on the street and sort of hold himself up in a uh, in a spot? Yeah, technology is advancing at a rapid rate. It is indeed. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so um, personal story. Yes. I have a sort of a god moment to share on behalf of my wife. 
So she was making dinner for her brother's birthday last Monday, making a big batch of meatballs. She was very careful with how she made it up using egg. And she was very concerned about getting eggshell in any of the food, any contamination. And so just as she was Nothing finishing, worse than biting into something. There's a big old piece of eggshell in the why, middle of Why it. is this crunchy when it shouldn't be? <laughs> the wrong kind of crunchy, And it's all too. gritty and, uh, yeah, it's like eating yeah. sand. Uh, and so she double-checked before the end and found a bit of eggshell, and she just went, what are the chances that 1.5 kilos worth of stuff she was making, and she find the tiniest little bit of eggshell on the side, and she was very thankful for it. And, you know, thanks, thanks God, thank you for helping me out with that. And so she talked to a friend of hers who's caught up in tarot cards and crystals and all that funky pagan stuff, and she mentioned it as a circumstance of a God moment, which made her relate another story to her friend, which was uh, probably a month or two ago she lost her wedding ring and her engagement ring. Both. Both. Because she puts them together, wears them together and takes yeah, them off yeah, together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was really concerned, so she looked everywhere, went in the bathroom, and she had a little vanity bag sitting on top of the bathroom bench. And so she's unzipped the bag, looked inside, rummaged around, couldn't find it, thought, oh, okay, she zipped it back up. She's left, gone to look elsewhere. And she's like, you know what? I clearly can't find it. I need some help. So she's had a prayer to God. And not even find it for me, just give can you please give me an inclination of where I can look to locate it? And so she sort of had it from her mind, went back into the bathroom a while later. On top of that same bag that she unzipped, opened, went through and zipped back up, on top of it were her two rings. They're sitting on top? On top. She's been. She's picked this thing yes, up. It she's moved it around it all over, over the place. Yep. Um, she's rummaged through it, That's put it. it back down. Walked away. And both rings are sitting, back. sitting on top. Yeah, exactly. Praise yeah, God. That's, that's pretty special right that's there. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's God reaching out and saying, hey, you know what? I just love you and I care for you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Going to more serious news, we have the United States, which has gone back to war again. It was kind of nice to have a bit of a break from war for a while, uh, but they have been bombing away in Syria. It's been condemned by the Syrian government, who have uh, claimed that it was illegal, been condemned by Iran. Uh, so there's been airstrikes that have uh, taken place right there. And it kind of makes me it, uh, it makes me ask a couple of questions. You know, the Bible describes the United States in Revelation chapter 13 as speaking like a dragon. And in Revelation chapter 12, the Bible identifies the dragon as Satan, but, you know, obviously a beast in Bible prophecy is a symbol of a nation, so it's Satan working through a nation and identifies the dragon as being the nation that tried to destroy Jesus at the time of his birth. Yep. And so that was obviously Imperial Rome. And when you look at that, you ask, okay, how did, if, if, if the United States at the end of time will speak like a dragon, how did Rome speak? Rome spoke with worldwide power and authority. And here you've got this country that, you know, spurns the idea of colonialism, like, oh, colonialism, terrible idea. We would never, you know, set up, you know, a whole colonial system all over the world and have, you know, different colonies here, there and everywhere, but appoint themselves as the world's policemen. Yes, they believe they're the peacekeeper of all. And, you know, you do have to ask yourself the question that, you know, since 9-11 and since the war on terror began... Uh, and since, you know, the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan, has the world become a better place? Has there been less terrorism? Has there been less war in the Middle East? Has there been less conflict? Has the state of Israel, which is kind of America's closest ally, been a safer place? No. So, you know, the definition <laughs> <Sure> of insanity, 
The definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing um, over, over and over and over again yeah. and expecting a different result. And yeah. it's like, okay, let's go and bomb Syria again. Yep. And let's waste the lives of our young men and women in a foreign conflict. If Syria wants to fight with itself, let Syria fight with itself. Five anyway. five weeks it took them since ah. Biden took office. Five weeks just, to get back into war. It, it, it just it just baffles me. But anyway, um, somebody has sent through, I guess, the book of Acts. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, so we're going to go and talk another it's story. A person. That's right, it's a person. We're looking for a person here. All right. Um, so here we go. So Dr. Holly Lawford-Smith from the University of Melbourne has recently created a website as a safe place where women can anonymously share stories of abuse. Now, these are stories of abuse that have taken place in what were previously single-sex spaces, so places like uh, toilets and bathrooms and, you know, showers and mother's rooms and, you know, these kinds of areas which were previously single-sex spaces but now have become uh, multi-sex places because of gender ideology that says, well, there's no such thing as gender. Gender mm. is a social construct, so um, everybody can just use the same space, etc. And in a couple of days, they had 27 pages of people sharing testimonies until the site was hacked um, and locked so that nobody else could post onto the site. Some uh, hackers got in there. And, uh, and, and so forth. But I spent, I spent a little bit of time just sort of reading through some of these testimonies. And what was interesting was that there was a lot of lesbian women on there. Probably the majority of the testimonies were coming from lesbian women. And, and these are, you know, they've dealt with all kinds of stuff in their life. And they're like, you know, we're, we're super open minded people, but these safe places has, have disappeared and we no longer feel safe going to these particular places because you've got, you know, Toilets, showers, bathrooms uh, that have been invaded by men who, when you question it, just bully them into silence by simply saying, you know, I identify as a woman. Yeah, it's that point, pointing the finger and calling someone else a bigot to align with their particular values, their ideology, as opposed to having a truthful discussion about what's actually going on there. It's just it's just plain straight out bullying is what it is. And those places you talk about too, they engage, you know, they're places where you engage in particularly private acts like, you know, we're, we're taught these things at a young age about genitals and private parts and particular things, showering and going to the toilet as a very solitary system. That's right. And so to have people in there of a different gender, different sex to come along and invade that place and make these people feel uncomfortable is quite abhorrent. I think toilets just should have an XX and an XY on the door problem solved. Well, you know what? Have a third one. Or have a third one. You want to go in there? Come are, in there. That's right. Have, uh, absolutely, I, and I would fully support that as well. I mean, yesterday I was at Coles. As long as you Huntley. don't force everybody to have a third no, one, because exactly. that's an extra expense that you'd place on, you know, a burden that you'd place Unless on the government pays for it if they want to sign those things up. Yeah, for it. that's right. So I went to Coles yesterday, and after we finished shopping, my little girl said, I need to go to the toilet. I'm like, okay, let's go. And we went into the men's room because there's no toilet in the parents' room. Yes. But that's a circumstance I've got my daughter inside the cubicle, closed off, locked up and everything. And she you were goes, there. I was her. there to take care of her and look after her. And she is how old? Four. Four. Totally acceptable because Absolutely. of the situation and circumstances of her innocence. When you start to put this into a perspectives of consenting adults and the risks that you face 
you really start to get to that horrible grey area there trying to make as murky as possible. And this is the problem when we don't provide, we provide acceptance rather than treatment to people who are struggling with gender dysphoria. Yep. And somewhere along the line, we figured that rather than providing treatment, we, uh, well, they, if they've got this, then they're just better off to transition yeah. rather than trying to figure out, and human beings are smart. I'm sure that we could figure out how to provide them with a treatment that will allow them to have body acceptance. And it's gone from understanding to acceptance and it's getting into the point where now it's forceful. Oh, dangerously forceful. Okay. So Dr. Holly Law- Lawford Smith who started this website so that pe- so that women could anonymously express the stories that, you know, the experiences that they'd had by having predatory males uh, harass and abuse them within women's safe places, right? Uh, from the U- University of Melbourne, University of Melbourne fighter on the spot. The AIDS <sighs> newspaper, national newspaper, uh, blasted her for reaching a new low and complained that um, complained that convicted child sex offenders had been targeted and bullied on the site. I would sue them all. <laughs> Can you believe what's going on? So this is the Age newspaper defending convicted child sex offenders. You know what the Bible says about convicted child sex offenders? The Bible said a millstone be tied around their neck and thrown into the <laughs> deepest part of the ocean. Deepest. And we're going to stand. Where did we ever reach a point? Where did we ever reach a point in this country when a national newspaper comes out on the side? Sex offenders. Of sex offenders. Child Child sex sex offenders offenders to defend sex offenders. You know, they're defending child sex offenders so they can, you know, defend sex offenders who are, you know, so broken that they are sex offending in a toilet or a bathroom. I can believe it because we're clearly in the end times and it's the only way I can make sense of what's going on. Yes. It is just absolutely beyond my uh, imagination when I read these kinds of stories and it demonstrates that, you know, people who are dealing with gender dysphoria are people who are broken and we need to provide treatment Mm -hmm. and we need to provide love and care rather than just acceptance. Acceptance is the worst thing that we can be doing, right? We need to accept them as people for sure, but give them the care that they need. Yep, truthfully. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Very good. Well, joining us on the phone this morning for a monthly update on all things in relationship to creation and science is Dr. John Ashton. Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, all. And uh, before we get into uh, what you've got prepared to share with us, just wanted to um, comment on the fact that Snopes has, uh, which is the you know the, the great fact checking, I guess, uh, <laughs> quote unquote, <laughs> yeah, quote unquote, fact check fact checkers on the internet have uh, published an article saying that uh, any form of creationism uh, is a conspiracy theory. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I guess uh, we're going to expect, uh, as we get closer to the time when God returns, there's going to be attacks on truth from, you know, all directions. And um, 
I think, again, a lot of these conspiracy theories stem out of ignorance of the, of the actual data. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not surprising in, in a way. Um, you know, some leading politicians in Australia have made uh, similar comments uh, in the past, um, sort of likening people who believe in creation to sort of um, intellectual terrorists and, and so forth. Um, so it's... Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to attack the people and, and call people names, but when we look at the actual data and the facts, um, at the present time, there's no known mechanism for how, you know, life could begin and how there's no known mechanism of how one form of life could change into a completely different form of life or have new body parts. And but I, I think one of the issues, and I think we may have discussed this in another um, session as well, is that unfortunately, the uh, the academy itself, and other, in other words, the learned institutions themselves, and those people in those learned institutions, have actually not checked their data, and they're beginning to um, continue on and make assertions. Uh, that are not actually based on the scientific evidence available. And often this is uh, because the, the people making those assertions actually don't have the ability to assess the situation. And I, I think I referred to a classic example, I'm just trying to call this now, Jack Stozak, who's a professor of genetics at Harvard University, uh, who published a paper in Nature um, just the other year um, where he said, look, essentially we've discovered the, um, the, the mechanism for how first life, uh, formed and we've been able to do these experiments in the laboratory to demonstrate that some of the fundamental, uh, compounds involved can be formed, um, in nature. Um, and he, he listed a, a three-step sort of synthesis, whereas in actual fact, the research that he was referring to involved about 10 or 12 uh, steps that could, uh, and the, the majority of those steps could only be performed in under tightly controlled chemical conditions using pure chemicals in a highly sophisticated laboratory. Uh, it was absolutely impossible for those reactions to occur in nature, as was claimed. And secondly, is that he had painted a picture that it was very simple, just sort of three steps and involved ultraviolet light and so forth, whereas in actual fact the, the steps were multiple steps, as I said, and um, ultraviolet light would interfere with some and destroy some of the reactions. You know, the, the chemistry, that because this fellow was a geneticist and really didn't understand the chemistry at the molecular level, um, he'd got it wrong. He'd misrepresented what the actual uh, data was. But because this article was then published in probably the world's top science journal, Nature, um, it's then, accept, you know, it's then accepted. And so what we have is a, a promulgation of uh, incorrect information at, um, at this very high level. Now, um, this is, you know, 
in order to challenge this now, because you have someone who is a you know a professor at one of the top universities in the world making these statements, it's very difficult to uh, to challenge these assertions. Now, some of the other top chemists have come out and challenged them, you know, uh, and point out and said, "Hey, hey, you can't you know make these sort of statements." And the other fact is as well, just because you uh, generate a few compounds doesn't mean that you can make something alive because something alive involves a whole lot of chemical reactions all operating in conjunction but all out of balance, we might say, by just the right amount so that the reaction goes because what happens is that chemical reactions require what we call activation energy and they proceed into an equilibrium. When they reach that equilibrium, the, the reaction essentially stops. So for things to continue to be alive, we don't want the system to come to equilibrium. Um, and I think the other the, the other problem that, that they have with understanding creation is that they produce these models where they're producing, you know, one or two uh, molecules, uh, say, um, involved in a particular chain. But when we look at the simplest life systems, that require, for example, an envelope to protect the chemistry. So you've, you've got to have some sort of structure that is going to protect this complex chemistry from the environment. And what to and you have this complex chemistry uh, there. These, these structures that are involved to make the simplest life system involve millions of identical molecules. So you just can't have the probability of, of one of two of these molecules form. You've got to have millions of these molecules form somehow by chance identical and all in the one spot. And then the other thing is, of course, the thing has to be replicating. So you've got to have, and we know the mechanism involves the DNA, which is a um, a code system. Um, And also somehow by chance you have have to have this complex DNA molecule to encode for the structure that is informed, formed randomly around it. So that's, you know, so in other words, you, you've got to have your, your structure. Let's, let's say, imagine a, um, a DVD player. So you've got to have the structure for this DVD player, you know, uh, formed by chance. And then at the same time, you have to have the instruction manual, you know, all written out in a language for at the same time that instructs you how to operate that particular machine. Um, and uh, then, of course, you have to have a code reader system, a ribosome, that's to evolve that can read that particular language in the DNA and convert it into the, and generate the proteins required to build the, the next cell. But, you know, if people sit down and think about it, they can see it becomes very clear that it's absolutely impossible for this to occur by itself. And secondly, we can do the math. We can look at the chemistry. We can look at the biochemistry and we can do the calculations in terms of probability. What's the chances of these reactions occurring in a complex random environment, uh, such as they describe the primitive earth in their models was. Um, and again, from the maths, the maths says it's impossible as well. But because they have nothing else, they've got to make these assertions. These assertions get into our education system. 
and you know, and that's how it, uh, you know, just the system keeps going. It, it's it's really sad, but and we need to stand up against that and not and not be bullied. But I think as we get so much closer now to the second coming, and we need to, you know, understand that, um, you know, from what we're seeing happening in the in the world today. And I know people in the past have, have said this when, you know, the Second World War was on and, and so forth. But I think we can see clearly um, now that time is running out for us to preach the gospel and to tell people about the loving God, but there is going to be an end to this world. Um, and we, we mustn't be asleep like those virgins with, uh, with, their, with their land. It's a very important message to get out now. Mm, absolutely. When you know, uh, when this kind of information is published in a magazine, like say, for instance, Nature um, or some similar journal like that, um, you know, that then becomes a resource that, say, for instance, Snopes would use when they are fact checking something. Is there a way of fact checking the fact checkers? I mean, is there a mechanism by which Nature gets fact checked, or once it's published there? Uh, does it just stay there? I guess that's my first question. And the second one is when, you know, these scientists who have published a paper like this are confronted with the evidence and realise that their research is actually wrong, do they typically back down or do they just kind of leave it there and, and uh, you know, people continue to believe it because it was published and therefore must be acceptable? Okay, so they're in a they're in a bit of a bind, um, and but I guess what happens is they they've got the majority uh, on their side, and so obviously Nature is a peer reviewed journal, so obviously it would have gone out and been peer reviewed. But um, the 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 issue is why it gets through um, is probably because the people who are doing the peer review hold the same sort of views, and so. It's, it's very difficult to stand up against this. Now, if people want to, any of the listeners want to look this up, for example, a just off that uh, situation, if they Google James Tour, so that's spelled T-O-U-R, um, and uh, chemists don't have a clue um, about uh, about origin, uh, something like that. Now, James Tour is a synthetic chemist, one of the highly cited synthetic chemists in the world. He's a, um, a messianic uh, Jew. Uh, he believes in, in the Bible, and he has challenged uh, Stotak uh, about that. And so you can actually look up the details and look up the arguments and the, the detailed chemistry uh, that Tour... Explains now what have, what Tour says is that in actual fact he gets attacked for raising all the problems in uh, the issues with uh, Jack Stozak's paper, and so and that's why he said this is why in some of his lectures he gave a talk at uh, Andrews University um, last year I think it was about September October last year and again. That was a, a tired title. I'm just running from memory now, but the title was something like "Why uh, Why Chemists Don't Have a Clue How You Know Life Started or Life Began," something like that. 
Uh, but and if you Google James Tour, you'll you'll get the article. And when he's talking about, it, he said, "Look, we're we're under a, a lot of pressure. Um, if you're standing up against these things and pointing out these errors, um, you 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 get called names." <laughs> Uh, just like the, you referred to that article that um, you know, people are believing creation is supporting you know, conspiracy theories. But the people aren't looking at the data and, and the actual scientific evidence. And one of the reasons, as I've just you know, talked about, is when we get into this evolution um, bit, the word evolution is a very broad word and it, it really means you know, changes over time. Uh, and that's what it refers to. And we do see changes over time that uh, occur. But, the, 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 but there's a double meaning there. What the average person in the street thinks about evolution is they're thinking about Darwinian evolution where you have a fish changing into an amphibian, into a reptile, this sort of thing. And those changes require massive changes in the genetic codes that can all could all you know that are absolutely impossible to occur by random mutation. Why? Because the changes are, are so large. There's so many changes in the code to occur that the probability that all those changes could occur at any one time um, is absolutely impossible. It, it wouldn't happen from a probability point of view. And also, some of those changes are chemically impossible to occur. And the other um, uh, the other situation is too that once you make one change, you've got to have a breeding partner. So you've you've got to have another organism that has matching changes that can breed to produce offspring and so forth. So, well, you know. Anyway, I guess <laughs> one more can I say? Can no, Doctor John Ashton. Um, impossible. Yeah, thank <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, and your book, Evolution Impossible, is just a fantastic read. And thank you for taking that question just straight off the cuff. It was a uh, story that came through, I noticed, this morning when I came into work and I thought, well, I'll just toss this question out there. And, of course, <laughs> such a comprehensive answer. Thank you so much. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.